Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20 says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for your word. Well, thanks for your great grace to us. Well, thanks for bringing us through another week. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come open up your word, that we would see wonderful things from your word this morning. You would teach us, encourage us, and help us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the question on the table the last two weeks, last, last week and this week, is can we be okay with the will of God? Can I be okay with the will of God? And can you be okay with the will of God? And specifically this week, how can you be okay with the will of God? When I was in junior high, um, an early freshman, my parents uh, had a cassette tape of a guy named David Ring. Um, and David Ring was, when he was born, was born technically dead. He was born, he was blue, and for 13 minutes they set him on a table while they worked on his mother. And somehow David Ring survived. And he grew up to become an evangelist, but he, had, but he has, he's still alive, cerebral palsy. And he says in his story, with his difficult speech, his dad died when he was 11 years old. And his mother would say to him, David, I'm never going to leave you. David, I'm never going to leave you. I will always be with you. And at 14 years old, his mother died. And through that, David Ring grew up, was called to preach, and he would say, people aren't going to listen to me. I talk funny. I look funny. And for years now, 45 years, he's been sharing his testimony, married with five kids. And in this cassette tape that he would share that I had when I was in junior high and high school and would listen to over, because it gripped me, his story would say, his whole message, and he would wrap it up with, I've got cerebral palsy. What's your problem? And you look back at church history, and you will see many people who are called to a challenging life circumstances. And David's rings question, I've got cerebral palsy, what's your problem? He's calling us to what Paul's calling us in Ephesians 5. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And how can you be okay with the will of the Lord? How can a guy who's got cerebral palsy loses his father, loses his mother, talks funny and looks funny, now say, 
that when he gets to heaven, first thing he wants to ask God is, how could you be so good to me? How do you be okay with the will of God? And last week we said, when you're going to ask the question, how can you be okay with the will of God? It's wisdom, Ephesians says. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And considering the will of God, we are instantly confronted with the sovereignty of God. So we said last week, Job 42 says, I know, God, you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And in Daniel chapter 4, when King Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was the be-all, end-all, and God said, no, you're not. I'm going to make you live like an animal for seven years, and you're going to eat the ground. And when he finally came to his senses, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, he said, Nebuchadnezzar, who, who was just gripped and struggled with the sovereignty of God, said this, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the most among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? And Ephesians 1 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having, predestined, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So you look at your own life, and you look at the sovereignty of God, and you have to say then, How can... how? Can I be okay with these circumstances that happen to us? Because it says in Ephesians 5, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It says make best use of the time, because the days are evil. We live in very dark times. We may not feel that, but we live in dark times. There isn't a gnawing desperation for God in our culture. There's just, it just isn't. We, we live in a very dark time. I, was, I, I read an interview that Anthony Hopkins did just a couple weeks ago, who I think is a great actor and a very interesting man. He has an estranged daughter that uh, for years now, they've just never really, they've connected and they disconnected. And so the interviewer asked him, do you have any grandchildren? And Anthony Hopkins said, uh, I don't know, and I don't care. And later on, he, and he said a lot of other things in this interview, and later on, the interviewer asked him, he says, well, wasn't that a little cold to say? Wasn't that a little cold to say you don't know and you don't care? And Anthony Hopkins, world-famous actor who has everything the world has to offer, his answer to that was, Well, it was cold, because life is cold. That's his answer. This is a man who has everything the world has to offer, and he would say, this is dark times. And the Bible says the same thing. Therefore, don't be foolish, that because the days are evil, we're supposed to redeem the time. And so, can you be okay with the will of God in this time? And how will you be okay with the will of God in this time? Proverbs says, wisdom is seeing the sovereignty of God, is seeing the fear of God and knowing it's God's design. That the issue for us all the time when we come up to the sovereignty of God, the issue for you and whatever circumstance you're going through right now is will you surrender and submit to the will of God? That's the question. God every day is asking us from Scripture. When you read Scripture and every day when you wake up, the answer that you're giving is, I'm either, yes, I'm going to trust God, or no, I'm going to not trust God with God's will for my life today. The question, though, is, will you trust God? Will you surrender to the will of God? That's, that's the ultimate question when it comes 
to God's will. What, what's surrender? I, I read this definition. It's not, even a, it's not even a Christian definition of surrender, but I thought it really says what I think we're called to do. Surrender means accepting this moment, this body, and this life with open arms. Surrender involves getting out of our own way and living in accord with a higher will expressed as the wisdom of the heart. Far more than passive acceptance, surrender uses every challenge as a means of spiritual growth and expanded awareness. This isn't even a gospel answer. This is not a Christian book, but that's true surrender. And there's a form of spirituality, but surrender is is accepting this moment and this life with open arms, and surrender involves getting out of our own way and living in accord with a higher will. And remember, what we're talking about, we're we're talking about the hard stuff. Nobody has a problem with God's will when things are going well, do they? Nobody struggles with, is it fair for me to make more money? Is it fair for me to have such a great situation? Nobody struggles with that. Nobody asks that. You don't wake up in the morning thinking, uh uh-uh, this isn't too good for me. But we do struggle with the hard stuff. When God's will is an unexpected death, or cancer calls, or you lose your job, or there's a loss of a relationship, or your children disappoint you, or your parents disappoint you, or there's a confusion of, yeah, God called me to do this, but it's not going the way I thought it was supposed to be. Or how I thought it was going, you're, you're confused about d- discerning God's own will that you were absolutely convinced and know you're in God's will. Or you just have unrecognized effort, and you're putting all this effort into it, and nobody's recognizing you. Then you struggle. where all your effort and everything that you've put into, in one moment, it's gone. Then you struggle. How how am I going to be okay with God's will in this? Because this is what God brought me to. That's the question. In Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. It was the same question that these Christians were were dealing with. If you've not read Hebrews chapter 10 in a while... Sit with Hebrews chapter 10 on Memorial Weekend. Hebrews chapter 10, Paul's, the author's writing to a group of Christians who have been through persecution. And he's telling them about the full assurance of their faith and to, to keep, keep going, keep, keep moving forward. And then he says this he, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through 39. He says, but recall the former days. When after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve 
their soul. I mean, these are people who were enlightened, they were doing God's will, and then all of a sudden, because they were standing up and doing God's will, they, they had unbelievable reproach, and people came and stole their property. And they were plundered. And it was gone. And nobody, they didn't stand up and say, this is my property, this is my rights, I can defend this. It was just taken from them, and they let it happen to them. And he said, what they need is endurance. This is the hard stuff. How do, you, how, do you, how do you accept God's will? He says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't shrink back. Elizabeth Elliot, who lost three husbands, one brutally, savagely murdered before she was even 30 years old, another husband who died of cancer within four years of being married, and another husband who died of cancer who spent her life as a missionary, went to Wheaton College, graduated. She says this about the will of God. The will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principles which govern the rest of the world. And what's the will of God? What's, what's the will of God? It says in verse 36, But my righteous one shall live by faith. That's the will of God, is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The first will of God is that you see who Jesus is, you repent, and you turn to him. And after you see who Jesus is, because all the New Testament's written primarily to Christians and to the church corporately, the will of God is for you to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among his brothers. The whole point of Ephesians is to get people who are going through difficult seasons of life to grow up and mature as Christians, and to be conformed into the image of his Son. That's the whole argument Paul's making. Be wise how you live your life as a Christian. Grow up. Because God is sovereign, and he's working out a plan to rescue the world. And in that plan, suffering happens. And how you respond to that suffering matters so that you can be to the world what Jesus needs you to be. So grow up. And this is a process of growth, he says. This, is, this takes time. None, none of you demand your three-year-olds to act like 18-year-olds, do you? But sometimes we demand God all kinds of things. God, come on, hurry up, change my situation. Change my situation, God, change. We, we demand God to be quick for us, but we don't even demand that of other people. And we wouldn't demand that of our kids. And God doesn't even demand that out of us. He's gracious to us, and he calls us, and he says, hey, this is how you grow up. This is how you grow up. You, you, you learn what the will of God is. And then you learn how to respond correctly to the will of God. This is a process of growth. It's called redeeming the time because the days are evil. And there's a whole culture out there that says this is nonsense. You don't need to worry about this at all. But how can you be okay with the will of God? How can you be okay with the situation you're dealing with right now? It seems overwhelming or has overwhelmed you for a very long time. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Why do people get drunk with wine? It might start out innocently at first. They just, a little peer pressure, they, they like the taste, and think, things get going well. But, but, a re, a rigid, but eventually, eventually, when you get to what it says in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. 
It's because somehow this thing started to fill a need for them that they needed to be filled. And he says, do not be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Because both things fill you up in some way. One of you fills you up in a way that the Bible says brings debauchery, and the other one fills you up as well. But the reason he says that, which seems to be come out of the blue here, is because it, it fills a need. Because life's happening to all of us. The will of God's moving. Situations take place. And something happens to us. And there's, a, there's something that's got to be met with that, with the, with the struggle. And so there's the option of going the kingdom of yourself and filling up that need with a God substitute or the other way. And the God substitute could be alcohol or it could be anything else be very good thing. The Bible talks about idols of the heart all the time, and they become very powerful for us. And the struggle of obeying the will of God is to realize this is a spiritual battle. That's why Paul says at the end of Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is a spiritual battle. You don't even see, you don't even feel, but these things come up and there's these idols that come up that want us to be filled with something else than God. And there's four great powerful idols in all of our lives that want to consume all of us. It's power, control, approval, and comfort. And when it comes to the idol of how are you going to handle the situation of God's will in your life, the idol that we all have to deal with in our culture is comfort. The, the, the greatest idol of our area, and our, our, I think is the idol of comfort. We, we just want to be comfortable. Anything that throws us off is uncomfortable. And, and for Paul, that's the attack. We, we want things quick. We, 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 want, we want things easy. We don't want to have to suffer at all. Like when you're sitting at a table having a discussion and somebody brings up, what was the name of that movie? Uh, we don't even want to have to go look it up. Ask Siri, because it's just comfortable. It's quick. That's how we want to spend all our life. We, we, we are a culture that is dominated by comfort. Can this internet get any faster? Please get it faster. And it's already so fast. We, we, are, we are consumed with comfort. And when that comfort smacks up against the sovereignty of God, and it doesn't go comfortably for us, we have two options. We're going to fill it up somehow. And Paul says, don't be unwise, but redeem the time and figure out how you're going to obey the will of God. Because if not, this idol of comfort is going to cause you to have very careless living, very critical spirit, and if, at its worst, a bitter cynicism. And you'll just be a hollow human. I mean, you can walk through the doors of Cornerstone every week and still be a hollow human. You, you can have a bitter, critical spirit and just look good. You can be loaded with all kinds of stuff and have careless living. And you could not be filling yourself up correctly with the will of God. So how, how do we be okay with the will of God? Because we struggle with this, don't we? We struggle with submitting to the difficult things that God gives us. I think we struggle for three reasons. We struggle, one, because there's just this, this anticipation. What's going to happen? And when, when it doesn't go our way, we get aggravated, don't we? That that's not the way this was supposed to turn out for me. Or, or then we just get very arrogant. Like, this isn't supposed to happen to me, is it? That's not the way it's supposed to, to go. When I was in el elementary, 
My big dream for my life was to become a boxer. I, I loved boxing. Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes. I had a speed bag in our basement, and I would be working it all the time. And um, I, I just uh, Sugar Ray Leonard was my man. I mean, we, we were, we were going to go big time in this boxing thing. That's the spiritual battle that we're in. The Bible says that we, 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 we wrestle not with flesh and blood. When it comes to the difficulties of all of our life and, and the struggles, it is a boxing match that we are dealing with. So how are you going to be okay with the will of God in your life? And Paul finally gives us some answers. He says, don't be filled with wine and be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The only way, the, the way that you're going to know to grow in the will of God is to know who's in your corner. If you're boxing, and they're out there boxing and boxing, there, there's been boxers who've been out there in the middle of the fight, they're, they're struggling, they get hit so bad that they, they completely lose their corner. They're totally dazed. And you can look them up on videos, and they're just, they have no idea where to go. They forgot where their corner is. They don't know who's on their side. And for the, he says this, don't be, don't be, Filled with wine, which is, don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the, with the Spirit. Know who's in your corner. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the, the person who is in your corner is God himself who reveals himself to us. Whenever the situation that comes, you get the phone call that you don't want. God has not abandoned you. God the Father, who is a good, good Father, is still there for you. Romans 8 says, Jesus, who is seated in the heavenly places, still with a human body, who's just like us, is praying for us, it says in Romans chapter 8. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you comfort and guides you into all truth. God's in your corner still. Your life has been hidden in Christ. You stand in grace if you're a Christian, and you are rooted in God's love, which is what Ephesians 1 is all talking about. He's over and all. He's praying for this. So you would be rooted in the love of God. You are still the object of God's affection, it says in Zephaniah 3.17. He, he delights over you and dances over you. Even at the worst possible moment of your life, when you want your life to go this way, and all of a sudden it goes this way, God is not lost his sovereign control, and he's still in your corner, and the Holy Spirit gives you faith. And you're saying sometimes, I, I, this is to be remembered. You've got to remember who is in your corner. And if you, the way you remember this is by asking for the faith, asking for the help. Father, help. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me the faith to believe. Elizabeth Elliot, who lost three husbands, went back to the jungle, translated all kinds of this material, had one of her best translators murdered, then she lost, was destroyed, all of her work. And she would say, if you look at my life, there is nothing from the outside of my life that even looks like God exists. There's nothing that anybody could look at. She goes, if you look at the data, people would actually say to me, you know, actually the data proves that God doesn't exist. But that's not true. It's not true, she would say, because the Bible says God is real. God is with her. God's in her corner. God's in your corner. He still delights over us. Augustine said, God is not a deceiver that he should offer to support us, and then when we lean on him, should slip away from us. God is for us. He's absolutely 
with us. So you got to remember who's in your corner. And then he, he says, list, don't be, don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery. Don't fill yourself up that way. Fill yourself up with the Spirit. And then he says this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart with the Lord. You got to remember who's in your corner. And then you got to not yourself. Listen, not yourself to Christ-exalting, Christ-centered, to a Christ-exalting, Christ-centered community of faith. There's a lot of talk in our culture about, in the church, in our church, in other churches, about community. And even outside the church, there's talk about community. This desire for community, I think, is the, the, the biggest, deepest ache of a culture that is absolutely com- committed to its own comfort. Because we are so committed to our own comfort that it's so difficult for us to be in community because community comes at great cost. It's difficult to be connected to people. And Paul's whole response to understanding the will of God is to be, says, addressing yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That means you've got to be together. You've got to connect with each other. You've got to communicate with each other. Your comfort can't be the only thing. In James chapter 5, he says this is in verses 13 through 20. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And he says, Elijah was an ordinary guy like us, and he prayed, and it didn't rain for three years on the earth. That's hard, because you know what that means? To do all that, to be knotted together with a Christ-exalting, Christ-centered community of faith, it takes time. It takes redeeming the time and not being obsessed with your own comfort, which is unbelievably difficult for all of us. So know this that sometimes you're not going to find that in the local church initially. You might not find that here initially. So the way you knot yourself to Christ exalting Christ in the community of faith is you look to dead people and the living. Because initially, you, we, you might not get that community in church. It's a scandalous reality of a culture that's consumed with itself. And Paul says the way to be okay with the will of God is to be connected with people. And so if you aren't nodding yourself to a Christ-exalting, Christ-centered community of faith, don't give up if you don't find it initially in the local church. But not yourself with some dead saints of the church and read some good things. I do it all the time. And I've also found it here. But be the person that you want to be. Be the person that you want to influence in your circle. Because James chapter 5 is a call to the church to be connected during the hard times. So not yourself to a Christ-exalting, Christ-centered community of faith and find some good old saints who lived hard lives like Elizabeth Elliot, William Carey. Read their stories Hear what they went through. 
and then say, I want to bring that into my, my local church. I want to bring that into the people that I'm around. I, I want to be that kind of person for the people that I know and my friends. And it, is, it it's, can be a long, hard process. But we're called to persevere in that. Not yourself to a Christ-exalting community. And then know Christ. He says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You said that the, the thing that's God's will for my life right now, Paul, is so overwhelming. I feel it when I'm walking around. I carry it with me everywhere. This can't be God's will for me because it's so hard. Know Christ. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, become him like in his death. Hebrews 12.3 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. That thing that is overwhelming you, and you think, this just can't be right. This can't be God's will for my life. This can't be right. This is wrong. Why am I have to go through this? Consider Christ. You have not yet resisted unto blood. You haven't, you haven't blood yet fully like Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus went all the way to the cross and he bled out the will of God. And Jesus said, your will be done to his father. Not my will, but your will be done. And I'll let your will be done so much so that I will lose everything, be abandoned, and I will go to the point of death to blood for us. That's what Jesus did for us. So so when when it seems so overwhelming, Know who's in your corner. God has not abandoned you. You've got to knot yourself to Christ-exalting, Christ-centered people of the community of faith. And you have to think and know Christ. And know that we have not yet suffered even closely to what Jesus has done for us. So don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. If you lived in France... In the town of Aquis Martes, you, you would know about the Tower of Constance. It's a 700-year-old structure. And if you lived there in the 1700s, you might have known a woman named Maria Durant, 19 years old, follower of Jesus Christ, a Huguenot. Her parents were murdered for their faith. Her brother was a Huguenot pastor, They were all arrested for having church in their house and reading the Bible for themselves. They were captured. Her brother was killed. And Maria Durant, who was 19, just got married, was taken and put in that tower with about 30 other women for 38 years. And every week, someone would come and would say to her, if you would just recant, you can go free. And every week, she would not recant. And nor would the other woman. She was an absolute advocate for them, 
speaking to them. She worked so hard for the 38 years till all the women were given a book of Psal- the book of Psalms to read for themselves. She would lead the group in prayers. There's a hole at the top that would just pour in water and rain. And for 38 years, Marie Durant lived in that, perspective-wise, which means she would have gone into prison at 19 at the beginning or the last year of Jimmy Carter's presidency until today. She spent 38 years in there, and as they walked in, the carved into this door was all hope abandoned, ye who enter here. And she never would deny Christ. And you can go there today, and you can look and carved into the stone at the top of that Tower of Constance is the word resist that Marie Durant and these women carved in because they would not deny the faith of Jesus Christ. The will of God for Marie Durant was to spend 38 years of her life with 30 other women in a cesspool that was so bad that finally, after 38 years, the Prince of France agreed to come look at at the tower, and he saw how despicable the women lived, how horrific the guards were, that he said, let them go. And they finally got out. But she never quit trusting. She never stopped believing. That's an example of persevering faith. That's an example of not shrinking back and trusting in the promises of God. Listen, the testing of your faith that God allows you to go through is not to trash you but it's to turn you more into the image of Jesus Christ. So can you be okay with the will of God? Yes. Because Christ in you is the will of God. And in Christ is where all the promises of God are yes and amen. So don't shrink back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hope in God and continue to pray that we can say as individuals and as a church, by faith, God, your will, your way, always. Clear the stage and set the sound and the lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to cross the idols. Jerk the pews and all the decorations too Until the congregation's fueling half revival Tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you're broken for your sins You can't be social And seek the Lord and wait for what He has in store And know that great is your reward So just be hopeful Cause you can sing all you want to Yes, you can sing all you want to You can sing all you want to And still get it wrong Oh, worship is more than a song 
from all the plans that you have made And sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper I beg him please to open up his mouth and speak And pray for real upon your knees until they blister Shine the light on every corner of your life Until the pride and lust and lies are in the open Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard Until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken Cause you can sing all you want to Yes you can sing all you want to Is more than a song We must not worship Something that's not even worth it You clear the stage Make some space For the one who deserves it Anything I put before my God is an idol And anything I want with all my heart is an idol And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol an idol Cause I can sing all I want to Yes I can Sing all I want to That's the measure you must take to crush the idols.